Right, well, thank you for inviting us to come and share. It's been a really great welcome, and uh, we had a great time uh, getting here. Uh, had a good stop off at uh, Starbucks on the way, which is, uh, had nice coffee there and stuff. And uh, so, greetings from Aylesbury. Uh, it's, it's great to uh, come up here. Uh, so, so I'm, we're going to share about our journey as we're, we're going to Athens, and I'm going to try and interweave that in a, with a story in the Bible as well. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we practiced a couple of weeks ago, so, so it's not entirely uh, a, a, an experiment, but we'll see how it goes this morning. So I'm going to share a story from the Bible. Although it happened a long time ago, it's as relevant now as it was then. Uh, you see, each of our stories can be like this one. And just to show that, we're going to share our story as part of this story our story of moving to Athens next year. And it's really a story of God calling us onto his mission to save the world. So here we go. Many years ago in a land far, far away, (laughs) at least from Solihull, a man called Abraham was living in a place called, uh, actually it was called Ur. I wasn't just hesitating. Can you imagine what it must be like living in a place called Ur? You know, whenever anybody asks you what, where you come from, they'll go, where do you come from? Well, I come from Ur. Well, go on, get it out, go on. You can imagine, maybe it's, maybe it's quite close to another place called Um, I don't know. But it's really, sorry, bad joke, very bad joke. But actually, Ur is south of Baghdad in Iraq. Quite a nice place, I've heard. Uh, well, Abraham... When he's living there, he hears something really amazing from God. God says something really amazing, something really incredible to him, something that seems impossible. This is what God says to him. He says, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I'm going to show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Then, perhaps as amazing as what God says, and that's before he even even gets the postcode to put in his sat-nav to know where God is sending him to. And he takes everything with him. He even convinces his father and his nephew to come too, and also his wife more importantly than those two. (laughs) Just need to get that in so I don't get that later on. And bit by bit, as they travel, their destination gets clearer and clearer, even though they end up getting stuck for a while in a place called Haran, which is uh, Turkey, close to Turkey where his father actually dies before they carry on. I just thought I'd try, so I put this this trip in Google Maps and... uh, I think it, I can just about see, no, I can't see my glasses. But anyway, it tells you how many hours you, it would take to walk from those various places. I think it's quite a few. 383. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. So there you go. You know, you could, you could do it now. You know, you could actually, if you had Google, you could actually walk the same trip. But it's not plain sailing. As well as the delay in Haran... He makes loads of mistakes along the way. 
See, he's just human, just like us. He got scared. He got frustrated when things that God promised didn't seem to happen. For example, he calls his wife, his sister, twice. Not just once, twice. When he was afraid that he would be killed because she, he, she, she was so beautiful. You know, I mean, it's just a... He didn't even make the mistake once. He made it twice. Yet God sticks with him and he gets to the final destination, which is Canaan, which is modern-day Israel. And the whole world was blessed through him. You know, even us. You see, through Abraham, who later becomes Abraham, eventually comes Israel. And from Israel, eventually comes Jesus And we are all blessed through him. He's given us forgiveness. He's given us new life. He's given us a new identity as God's sons and daughters. And he's given us, as well as that, he's given us an amazing purpose to complete the promise he gave to Abraham all that time ago to bless all the families on the earth. And just like Abraham, God calls us, Jesus calls us onto his mission to save the world. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all the commands I've given you. So there are four things we want to bring out from this story and illustrate with our story, and we hope that this will also help you with your story. Now, I know that's a lot of stories, but it's really all about God's story and how our story, that we're part of and how we get on to be God's part of God's story. Yeah. So the first, first one is this, really. It's, it says in Hebrews, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And he went without knowing where he was going. See, when God called Abraham, he listened. But he listened in a particular way. He was open to what even something that he thought was impossible. You know, and he was open even when the details were sketchy or not fully worked out. You know, Abraham didn't have a clue where he was going when he started out. And yet he went and he took every, everything with him. You know, and that's incredible, isn't it? To think that, uh, you know, sometimes we have our plan. But actually, it's all about listening to God about what his plan is in our lives. And, uh, you know, I was, I was thinking this morning as, as we were worshipping that, uh, you know, there's so many people in the world who, who haven't got a home, who haven't got a, uh, who, who are like lost, who are, uh, who feel like they don't really fit in. And yet God is calling us to leave our place of safety, yeah, our place of uh, our place of family, yeah, to go good. and be family yeah. Yeah, for them, and good. to bless them. Yeah. So the first thing we can learn from Abraham is this: to be open to what God says, even when it feels wherever it leads, wherever God shares with us. Okay, our journey started three years ago, in 2016. While I was still recovering from cancer, and it started when God spoke to Sarah 
in a leaders meeting in Bedford that Rob was at. So he, he, he probably won't remember when it was, but uh, he was there too. And so I'm going to let Sarah pick up the story here. So as, um, as Jonathan said, we were in a meeting a bit like this, um, during, and it was during the worship that I just felt God clearly say to me, go to Athens. <laughs> it's not, not everyday thing you hear this said, years ago, go to Athens. And, and what came to mind as I heard God say that was a, a um, New Frontiers European Leaders Conference that was coming up. So it was kind of February and this conference was coming up in April. And that was the only thing I could think of that was in Athens. And that was term time. So I had a little, I don't know if you've ever had an argument with God, but I had a bit of an argument with God because um, I also felt God say, go to Athens as a family. And I was like, well, we can't go to that as a family because that's term time. My my mum's a teacher. You know, we were we went to school every day. You know, if, you, if you've got a mum's teacher, you know, it's like I would never contemplate taking my kids out of school. We just didn't do that. So, but I felt God clearly say, no, go to Athens as a family. Um, and I was having this discussion with him. He said, get, ask the head. And he will give you permission. Yeah, you know how hard it is to get kids out of school nowadays. You need exceptional, exceptional permission. So I shared this with Jonathan. I was quite overwhelmed. You know, have you ever been really overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit where you really feel this is God speaking, not just, you know, your thoughts? Um, So I shared with Jonathan and we asked the head. uh, We shared with the head exactly what I've just shared with you, actually. Um, They go to a Church of England school. So our head was open to the thought of hearing from God. So... And I said to him, we won't go unless you give us permission. And he did. We got exceptional permission. And that was the first kind of step in our journey of thinking, okay, maybe this is God. (laughs) But we didn't really know why we were going to Athens. So a bit like Jonathan was saying, I'm sure Abraham didn't know why he was going, where he was going or the journey he was going. But we decided to go as a family. And I can remember Jonathan actually being quite embarrassed about it. Like, what are we going to say when we get there? When people ask us, what are we doing here? What are we going to say? Because we didn't have any connections at that point with churches in Europe. You know, our church, um, we planted our church a few years ago. We we haven't got to the stage of really connecting with anybody else internationally. So we were a bit like, well, well why are we here? Um, all we could say is, well, we felt God told us to come. But, well, we went anyway. And while we were there, every time we sat down to eat um, as a family, we were surrounded by Greeks, which you might think, well, that's not that unusual. You're in Greece. But actually, there were um, people from 30 nations at that, that conference and not actually that many Greeks, it turned out. And um, so while we were there, we just started to feel like God was saying, actually, when I said go to Athens, what have I meant? Go to Athens, not just come to this conference. And um, so we started to explore that. But I'll hand back to Jonathan. I'll tell you more in a bit. So be open to God's voice and be ready for an adventure. But as the story of Abraham's story progresses, God's call on him seems to get bigger and bigger and even more implausible. You know, later on, Abraham questions God. And rather than just uh, sort of like repeating the same promises, God actually makes the plan bigger and bigger. So sometime later, God spoke to Abraham and said, don't be afraid, for I'm going to protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abraham, he replies and says, God, what, what's, what's the use of all these blessings if I don't even have a son? I, you know, I still haven't got a son. And since you've, got, since you've given me no children, my, my head slave is going to inherit all my stuff. And then the Lord says to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, For you will have a son of your own. 
And then the Lord takes Abraham outside and he goes, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And amazingly, Abraham believes the Lord and the Lord counts that to him as righteousness. You know, more descendants than the stars. Yet at this, at this point, his wife is old and can't have children. And as I said, but the call seems to just get more bigger and bigger and more and more impossible. You know, God's call on our lives will often seem impossible beyond something that we could have dreamt up ourselves. You know, never in a million years would I have ever planned or thought that I'd be going to Athens to help with refugees. That was never part of my plan. And it was the same with Aylesbury until God called us there. You know, when we first moved to Buckinghamshire, in, I think it was 2000, wasn't it? Uh, Ailes, we thought of Aylesbury as the ugly town that you go to to get cheap food. You know, we never sort of even think of moving there. And, uh, and I also promised myself that I would never lead a church ever because, yeah, because uh, I'm a pastor's kid, so I know what happens. I know what happens, and I decided I would never go down that path. And yet, bit by bit, God changed us. The key thing here is, I think, that what God calls us to do can be big, it can be impossible, it can be beyond us, because it isn't our plan, it's his plan. It's God's plan. And he asks us to join him if we're open if we open our hearts and our minds to what he's saying to us and even do the things that we promised we wouldn't do, we can be part of God's amazing, crazy, world-changing plan. But it wasn't just the hugeness of the plan that was impossible to Abraham. It was also the state of them both. They were old. The Bible says they were as good as dead. You know, how can a whole nation come from these two old people? I'm not having anything on, you know, please, please don't, um, uh, I'm not trying to be oldest, can there be ageist here? You know, I can remember thinking back uh, in 2016, and still do sometimes, you know, how can I ever be contemplating this move to Athens? You know, this seems crazy. You know, I've just had cancer, serious cancer. You know, my bones were crumbling. I actually lost three inches in height through the cancer that I had. And yet, amazingly, God is calling me to Athens. You know, my doctor has got used to it now, but when I first told her about this plan, she just looked at me in that sort of doctor's look that goes sort of, you're being very silly and stupid. Have you ever had, you know, you ever seen that sort of doctor's look? They sort of peer over their glasses and, you know, and she said said to me, do you realise what has happened to you? Do you realise you've just recovered from a serious illness? Do you realise... And do you realise what Athens is like? You know, if this was our plan, it would be really silly. It would be stupid, actually reckless. But it's God's plan. And because it's God's plan, it's not silly, stupid, reckless. It's what we need to do. So I'm going to hand over to Sarah now, who's going to share a bit more about that plan. So, as you can probably tell, we're quite excited that we're going to get to play, well, we've already been playing a part in Aylesbury, but um, we're going to get to play a part globally in God's, God's world-changing plan for, for Greece now. 
um, as we go to live in Athens and disciple refugees. And you can see here this picture of Athens. It's a, a vast expanse of white buildings. Um, and a bit like Jonathan said, that we never thought we'd have a heart for. But, um, and one of the words that God gave us as, as we looked out over the city, um, we were standing up on a hill in Athens, is, is just that, um, that verse that says the fields are white for the harvest. And as you can see that, it is just white, white for miles. Um, Greece has a population of 11 million and 4 million of those people live in Athens, which is amazing. Um, and, but it's 90%, it used to be about 99, but I think nowadays probably because people have stopped going to church, it's about 90% Greek, Greek Orthodox. It's very much part of the Greek identity. You know, to be Greek is to be Greek Orthodox. And with only about 30,000 evangelical Christians. So many people in Greece have never heard the gospel. Many don't have access to a, a New Testament Bible in modern Greek. The Greek Orthodox um, still kind of have the kind of ancient Greek, you know, Bibles with the very much led by the priest. Uh, in addition to this, um, as you will have seen on the news, Greece has been flooded with thousands of refugees on both on the on the islands and the mainland. And increasingly, they're moving those ref trying to move those refugees from the islands into Athens or into refugee camps around. Athens. Um, due to uh, the war and persecution, many have no home in the countries that they've come from. So um, most of the refugees we've met are from Iran or Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, you know, places that are war-torn or they've had to leave due to persecution. So they would um, generally either have no home to go back to because it's been bombed or if they went back, they would be killed. And these these people are now stuck because, again, as I'm sure you will have seen, Europe doesn't want any more refugees. Europe's closed. Uh, they can't go back. And they've got stuck in Greece. So there are thousands like that now stuck in Greece with nowhere to go. Um, and we're excited to be that really God has called us, we feel, to um, bring honour to those people, to value a people that um, no one wants, to show God's love to them and share God's love with them. And um, we really believe that that's part of God's world. Many will, not just for Greece or for those refugees, but that as we share God's love with them, many will either be called um, to make a home in Europe eventually if the doors open or to go back to the countries that they come from and share the gospel with others. Nevertheless, despite what we've said so far, that God often calls us to do things impossible and that it's his plan not ours you do still have to go ahead and do it and that involves a, a sort of uncomfortable inconvenient word called obedience if you come across that word uh, and part of obedience is about being getting ready for the cost of what it means to go giving up a safe comfortable life a nice house a nice jobs settled kids all that sort of stuff um, and it takes courage to do that. But we found in our journey so far that hearing God's voice actually breeds courage. When you hear God's voice speak to you, it actually breeds, breeds courage. And it can help you take that perspective that it's not my small thing. I'm actually being part of God's big thing. And, uh, and therefore, I, c I can do this. And I just, and I just feel for, for, you may think, well, you know, God isn't asking me to, to go to a, a new place. But I think still God is asking us all to leave our comfort zones. He's, he's asking us to leave. 
and uh, there may be uh, people in your, in your street that there may not actually be refugees, but they may actually live like refugees. They may actually not, they may not fit in. They may not have a home. And uh, God may be calling you to say, what well, you may know someone. And it's, it's about, will you leave the safety of your comfort zone and go and spend time with them? Or it may be a work colleague or someone else that doesn't really fit in. But actually this Christmas needs a friend, needs someone that they can uh, support them. So, getting back to Abraham, he believed God and his belief grew as he took more and more steps and God spoke to him further. And amazingly, God counted his faith as righteousness. Now you may think when I'm talking about all this obedience stuff, that you may think, okay, well, you've, you've just disqualified me because obedience is not something I'm good at. But Abraham's story is really encouraging. It really encourages, encourages me because he ma- he's made so many mistakes. He even questioned God whether he could, he could deliver on his promises. As I said earlier, he was afraid to call Sarah his wife. But worse still, he took things, things into his own hands and had a son through Sarah's maid, Hagar, before Sarah eventually gave birth to Isaac. You know, and if this was our mission our plan, our failures and shortcomings would matter, wouldn't they? You know, it would be like, oh, our plan is going off the rails. But because it's God's plan, and that means he can work things out, even begin to doubt, he he can still do that because it's his plan, not ours. You know, as God's led us on a journey, we've sought to be obedient and explore his call for us. But twice we thought we had the, the place where we should go in Athens and the people we should work with. And twice it didn't work out. And then God really opened the door for us last summer. And Sarah's going to, again, share a bit more about that. I'll try and walk really slowly this time, so I'd, I'm a bit worried. So um, obedience to God's call for us has has meant, um, as I shared right back at the beginning, uh, our children, James and Emma, being part of the journey from from the beginning. Um, We really believe that God's called us to be a family on a mission. It's also meant perseverance with over the last three years, um, at least nine, I think we're starting to lose count, nine trips together to Greece as we explored exactly where God wanted us to be and who he wanted us um, to work with. And as Jonathan said, it was last summer when we spent four weeks out in Greece together as a family that um, we really felt God speak to us about who we were called to. And so this is um, a refugee family in a a camp um, north of Athens. And um, this little girl that um, James Nemel with, you can see in the middle, is growing up in a a refugee camp. So this family have been there now now two years. Um, They the camps are very isolated, so three hours walk to the nearest town. They, there's a bus arranged once a week, but you have to get tickets, so obviously not everybody can get into the town. They live um, in, I think it's pitch coming up in a minute, of the ISA boxes. They live in these little boxes like this, uh, a bit like containers, I guess, with one, one room and a small shower room. They have to walk quite a way, actually, for kitchen facilities to cook. And many have no access to finances. If you can't get papers, which are very hard to come by now, you have no access to finance and you're reliant on UN 
food boxes. So a bit like living on food bank in this country, but every week, not just for three days, you know, the three day supply you get here every week, the same box. And actually they, they showed us the box of food they get and some of it they didn't even know what to do with because they didn't really know what it was. So it's, it's very hard, but they are still amazingly generous. So you can see here, um, they're making a barbecue for us one day when we went to visit the family and um, the guy had walked miles to collect sticks because they are so hospitable and they really want to share the very little that they have with us. So just um, we would say, actually, you think sometimes you're going to help people and actually they teach you <laughs> so much by their generosity and their hospitality. Um, such amazing people. And um, James and Emma made friends with Arva. Um, this is little Arva here and uh, just such a joy actually to see this is just a little um, a little pack of toys from the local supermarket you know a couple of euros nothing to us but to a little girl like this living in a camp with nothing just the joy I think Emma said she kissed her all over <laughs> of just uh, this little pack of animals um, they were just um, so, always so excited to see us and Emma said that the best thing about our four weeks in Greece and given we didn't spend all our time in a refugee camp we were you know did a bit of beach and ice creams as you do as well but Emma said the best thing about our time in Greece was making friends with this little girl Arva and so we as I say again we really believe that we're called as a family to go into these camps um, and work together because um, the children can bring joy to children out there who like maybe have never you know have come from war-torn countries haven't experienced how to play like our guys have had the opportunity to grow up and um, we can bring God's love and joy and peace to these families as we go as a family. So so while we were in Greece last summer uh, uh, one thing that I had was I actually had a dream while we were out there uh, uh, believe it was a prophetic dream uh, it's one of those dreams where you wake up from and you think it's actually happened it was that it was that clear and it was where we were work we were walking into the refugee camp and the the person that runs the camp came up to came up to us and said please will you plant a church in this camp and uh, it was one of those things where I just what this is just you know it's a predominantly Muslim camp why would anyone ask me to do that and, and that sort of set the tone for the rest of our time there in the summer. We spent thinking, how do we respond to that dream? And then we connected uh, with friends who were part of a Greek missionary organization who were doing exactly that, who were connecting with uh, refugee, Christian refugees in various camps and helping them uh, with their church groups that they were doing. And so that was amazing. So, so, so in obedience to God's call, that's what we're going to help with. To support the isolated, they need church where they live. It's, it's their home. It's their new home. And when you, when you are there, it feels very much like New Testament because it's like a whole church made up with people that have just become Christians uh, who are hungry to learn about their new faith. And many of them have nothing to do. You can't work when you're in the camps. You can't do anything. They're just there waiting. And so they've got lots of time, lots of, you know, lots of their, uh, uh, there's a real opportunity to disciple them and spend time with them. And when they do finally move on, they can make disciples wherever God places them, whether that's going to be somewhere in Europe or back in the Middle East. You know, most Mimet would love to go back to the place where they came from. Uh, and some are planning to go back there someday. Uh, one person we, we know had a vision of going back to his hometown in Iraq 
and giving them a, some bread. And he believes that this is a picture of him being called by God to one day go back to his local town and share the gospel with them. And it's just, a, it's just incredible. So I'd just like to share with you the story of one of the refugees I met up with. And many of them have found Jesus in amazing ways. So this guy was a Kurdish communist atheist. Uh, he found himself in a camp in Athens last year. And some of the Muslim refugees in the camp found out who he was and they decided to beat him up. So they beat him up so badly that he was in a coma for three months. However, amazingly, while he was in the coma, he had a vision of Jesus. And Jesus came to him and said, I forgive you. And then Jesus came to him and said something else as well. Now I've forgiven you. Go and forgive those who beat you up. So, so after he came out of the coma, he became a Christian and he went back to the camp and, and found some of the people that beat him up and, and forgave them. And now he's being trained in Athens to reach and disciple others. You know, he's lost, he, when he was sharing this with me, he had his phone out and he, could, he showed me uh, all the gruesome details of how he was beaten up and uh, he's lost much of the use much of the use of his right of his left hand from the beating, but he told me he didn't mind that because through this he found Jesus. It's just incredible, you know, and there's just, you know, it's just incredible. So, okay, quickly back to the story of, of Abraham. You know, one thing that Abraham, when Abraham followed God was that he became a blessing. We all owe so much to him. You know, how many people have done courageous things as a result of what Abraham did. Plus, he started the road to us actually finding Jesus and Jesus coming. And in the same way, a huge part of being on God's, God's mission is, the, is, the, is being a carrier of God's blessing to others who need it. We get to carry God's amazing love wherever we go. We get to carry the good news that he gives us. You know, and you can just go as you are, just armed with faith and obedience. You know, we're just a normal family. Uh, we, there's nothing very special about us, but we're just going to go and be friends with refugees. Amazingly, even in the short time that we've been there, we've seen God use us to bless others. And Sarah's just going to quickly share briefly about that. I don't know how much time, how much time have we got left. Yes, as, um, as Jonathan's saying, it, sometimes it's hard to know how you can be a blessing, isn't it? I don't know about you, but sometimes I find, you know, some of the situations God places is in quite overwhelming. And you think, well, how can I really be a blessing? When we first walked into that camp, I was like, how can I help these people? You know, how can we make a difference in these people's lives? But as Jonathan said, we felt like God's just called us to go be their friends, just go in as a family and be friends with them. Um, and, and as we made friends with them um god showed us um some of the things they need and and so one of the reasons we're going is we felt that actually what these people need is people who are willing to be consistently be their friends so there's lots of people going in and out of a lot of these camps some charities doing amazing work but they were sharing with us so for example even some practical things like learning english they were finding really hard because the english teacher would change every few weeks because someone would come for a few weeks as a volunteer they would go back and it'd be a different english teacher so they'd actually given up on learning English because they just found that too hard, that changing all the time. So we felt really called cool, actually to 
to go be consistent people that will go in week out week in week out and be their friends every week um and so that's one of the reasons we feel called to go to provide friendship support and discipleship on that kind of consistent basis um on our last trip to Greece in July we had the privilege of sharing with some Iranian refugees as Jonathan teaching there who were interested in in baptism and one of the ladies um in this picture she um actually the day before was saying she was kind of still compared to some of the others she was a bit wary but um she was open to prayer so I prayed with her and I really felt God say and I shared with her that she was just one step away from God you know, she only needed to take that one step to be part of God's family. And um, that evening in the, the meeting that took place, it was part of a, a whole camp where they're distributing Bibles across Greece. They, she took that step towards Jesus in the gospel appeal, which is so exciting, and made a decision to follow him. And the next day when we, um, this is her the next day, actually, the transformation in her was amazing. So from the day before where you could see, like, I'm kind of interested, but not sure about all this, you could just see a piece in her that God had really changed her overnight and and so just such a privilege to be part of that we're not even there yet just you know we came back from that trip I think we were only there for four days so excited about what what God's doing amongst these people and um, Jonathan actually had the privilege I think it's coming up a picture while we were there to baptize four um, Iranian um, refugees in the sea and um, just blown away to be part of their journey of faith and and to disciple these guys as who Jonathan said is they're so thirsty to know more I've never seen such thirst for the word of God they're there with their highlighter pens and their bibles and they just really want to know and often they know quite little when you first start tra- teaching them I think some of our friends said um, we know about the ending supper and the fish and bread and that was the only two stories they knew in the bible so they know very little but really thirsty to know more and learn about god's word so yeah just a privilege to be part of seeing lives transformed it was amazing as well as the sea was really warm as well so it was really nice (laughs) so uh that really helped so uh yes so in so in april next year we're going to be moving to Athens to work both with uh, Catalyst and also Hellenic ministries to share the good news about Jesus to many who haven't heard it and also to disciple the refugees in camps so that they can make disciples and build church wherever they end up. You know, it's fair to say this is our biggest step of faith ever, ever. I can get the words out. You know, I thought planting a church in Aylesbury was going to be... Uh, tricky, but this is the this is the one this is another grade on top of that. But we're convinced that God's that God has called us to do this, and we're amazed actually that the compassion that He gives you, you know, it's, it is incredible that the compassion that He's given us to go to Greece. Uh, suddenly, it's amazing how when Greece, uh, you know, when a Greek football team or a Greek uh, uh, sports team. Uh, uh, I remember last year when the, I think it was the Olympics, and you begin to start to root for the Greeks, and it just seems a bit weird. Why am I doing this? Why, why is this happening? But it's God just turns your heart towards the people that he wants you to reach. And we never thought that we would become missionaries. That's the word that we never thought that I would ever use. Although, amazingly, actually, when I was a kid, uh, 
uh, I actually said to my dad, I want to be a missionary. And I only, re I only remembered that a while ago. And my dad, who's, who's very ill with Parkinson's disease, actually, he says, oh, yes, I can remember you coming out of your bedroom and saying you want to be a missionary. Um, uh, so it seems like our destiny. But we are going as volunteers. The people we're that we're reaching have no money of their own. So we'll be reliant on God's provision to do this, mostly from supporters back in the UK through gifts of churches and individuals. But we believe that we're called to go and we're trusting God that others will support us as we do, both financially and also crucially in prayer, which we need just as much. So to summarise and finish with, uh, really, the story of God calling us on his mission, his plan to save the world can be a story we can all share. You don't even have to go to Athens. If you want to come with us, that's great. But... Uh, God may have a plan for you. I believe he does have a plan for you right here in Solihull. Yeah, I've seen all the amazing work you're already doing. And uh, I believe God's got an amazing plan for you here. Just be open and listen to his voice. You know, it may surprise you what he asks you to do. But he calls us all on his mission to change the world. His crazy mission to use us to change the world. It helps if we obey. But even if we mess up. Don't disqualify yourself. You're in good company. You're just like the rest of us. And the thing is, it's God's plan, not yours. And he's big enough to cope with our mess. And the amazing thing is, if we do this, we will be a blessing. That's his plan. He wants to make us a blessing, a blessing to those around us. So we'd like to finish by just sharing some things we'd like to support you, you'd like We'd like to, uh, uh, if you could support us in prayer with these things that are currently on our list of things that we need to do. So really first is a family home in Athens. Uh, we've, our house has just gone, on, got, just gone up for sale in, in, in Aylesbury. Um, and uh, buying a house in, in Greece is quite different to buying a house in, over here. Uh, most of them seem to be half built. Uh, so... <laughs> So I'm not quite. So we're still working out that. So if you could pray that we'll find the right house, and uh, and that we'll be able to move into it before it actually completed, rather than just being a concrete shell, that would be great. Um, also, a good school move for James and Emma. We've already registered, registered for them in a school in in uh, in Athens, a British school. That uh, that they're, they're due to start. I think it's on the 26th of April, 27th of April next year. Um, but it'd be great if you could. Pray, pray that they'll really feel settled and it would be a really good move for them. Uh, we've got raising support funds there. Really pray that we would raise all the funds that we need to go as, uh, again, we are volunteers uh, doing that. And also, finally, really just pray that actually God does use us to multiply disciples in these refugee camps, that we do actually see churches, churches planted there and actually these people being able to go all around the world to, to share the gospel. Uh, and just to say, if you would like to keep in contact with us, we will be sending out news every so often. Um, all we need is your email address. So I have got some sign-up sheets for that, if, if anyone would like to go on our mailing list. But that's, I don't know, that's uh, all we really came to share. So. Very good. Yeah. Yeah.